Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I have missed your faces. Very nice to be back. Some of you may notice the witches and wizards in the congregation. We have had Hogwarts camp all week. And so I not only welcome those of you with different socioeconomic backgrounds, different skin tones, different cultures, different political affiliations, uh, gender identifications, and sexual orientations, I also welcome you from all four houses. (laughs) We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. I extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us for the first time this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Good morning. My muggle name appears in the order of service, but to the children this week, I've been Professor Esmeralda McGonagall, headmistress of Hogwarts. I'd like to read for you a morning poem by Mary Oliver. Every morning the world is created. Under the orange sticks of the sun, the heaped ashes of the night turn into leaves again and fasten themselves to the high branches, and the ponds appear like black cloth on which are painted islands of summer lilies. If it is your nature to be happy, you will swim away along the soft trails for hours, your imagination alighting everywhere. And... If your spirit carries within it the thorn that is heavier than lead, if it's all you can do to keep on trudging, there is still somewhere deep within your you a beast shouting that the earth is exactly what it wanted. Each pond with its blazing lilies is a prayer heard and answered lavishly every morning. Whether or not you have ever dared to be happy, whether or not you have ever dared to pray. People ask me all the time, what holds you all together if you have people who have roots in the Christian tradition, in the Jewish tradition, the Buddhist tradition, the earth-centered tradition, the humanist tradition? You have atheists and you have theists and you have lots of things in between, astronomers and astrologers all together. And you all call yourselves Unitarian Universalists. I say, well, one of the things that holds this congregation together is our mission, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Will the rest of the children please come up for the story? Y'all are welcome to sit. I'm going to just stand here because I don't have another microphone, and I want the grown-ups to hear this, too. So, I'm talking to them about fear later on while you were in class, and I read, and I won't ask you to raise your hand if you're scared of this, because that's embarrassing, but everybody gets really scared. And kids, some of their top fears seem to be fear of the dark, 
and fear of war and terrorism, because you hear about that on the TV, fear of uh, bugs, and fear of tornadoes. So I didn't know what you guys are scared of, but I wanted to tell you something. It's good to have a plan for when you get scared. And some of you all have wands with you, and some of you all don't have wands, but you have a wand on your hand. I don't know if you knew this. It's this finger right here. Uh Uh-huh. And if you point this, it's just like having a wand. And so we're going to practice something, okay? So when you're scared, one thing to do is to ask yourself, is it real? Because sometimes there are real scary things, like a tornado. And then you ask yourself, what can I do? Mostly, if you're of a certain age, you go find a grown-up. If you're in a tornado, you need to find a storm shelter. But your grown-ups will tell you all about that. A lot of times, when you're scared, it's of something that's not really there. And so, you can go explore, if you can, and just find out more about it. You know what I mean? If you're scared of something, like spiders, I used to be horrified of spiders. And then I found out more about them, and I looked at pictures of them, and I learned that they really were more scared of me than I was of them, because I could squish them and they couldn't squish me. And that helped a little. But sometimes when you're scared, I want you to do this. I want you to point at the thing you're scared at with your wand or your finger wand, and you say, I am brave, and I am smart, and I am not alone. This is what you do with your fears. See? All right. Good. All right. Now we're going to point at him, and we're going to say, what? I am brave, and I am smart, and I am not afraid, and I am not alone. Go away. Go away. Let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist loving kindness meditation or metta meditation. I'll say the line and you say it after me should you choose to. We say this through three times. The first time is for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time, we say this for someone we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. The third time as a spiritual challenge, we say this for someone against whom we have a resentment. 
May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. Um, Many of you all who are in your mid-50s to mid-60s remember being in school during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was in second grade, and our teacher told us that um, the Russians were probably going to drop bombs on us, and that if we wanted to be safe, we should get underneath our desks and put our hands over our heads. And so terrified, I would listen to the planes flying overhead at night and wait for their engines to go uh, 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 the way that planes in the movies about World War II did right before they dropped bombs. And I would think every plane was going to incinerate my town. And I lived in that fear. So I'm pretty mad at those teachers who told us to do something completely useless, I'm sure they had to, and scared us to death for no good reason. Same thing with the um, terrorist threat levels that we used to have. I don't know if you remember those. Those were from like five years ago. And they would go yellow, orange, and at first, and I'm sure that the people who are in their 20s remember the Twin Towers, the way I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, and got scared about that. And so, you know, when when it was orange, you were supposed to, like, duct tape your windows or something. I don't know. I was cynical by that time, and I told my children that the odds of them being killed by a terrorist were very low and not to worry about. The way I drove, they were more likely to die in a car wreck. I did not tell them that part. I was really scared of bees when I was a kid, too. I think I've told you that I almost jumped out of a moving station wagon out of the back seat because there was a bee right by my face. I still can see it. And um, really, hitting the pavement at 60 miles an hour would be worse than a bee sting. My fear almost made me... Do something really dumb. But fear really can be our friend. It gets us out of situations where we're in danger. It um, activates our caution. And yet, I think you can be careful without being fearful. And I think you can be cautious without being fearful. And sometimes you get afraid for a good reason, but then it just gets stuck. And you heard the reading before the meditation where Frank Herbert says, fear is the mind killer. Yeah, it's the mind killer. I think some people like to be scared. I mean, I know they do. Horror movies are a booming business. They like to be scared in kind of a controlled fashion. You wouldn't actually want someone coming at you um, the way they do in in the movies, which I won't describe because some of our children have stayed. 
But um, they also, you know, people love to be, they love to see beautiful young women be scared. Really, if, if the bad guys were coming after middle-aged men or... <laughs> really, it would be a whole different story, wouldn't it? People would be like, meh. <laughs> see a 47-year-old guy screaming. <laughs> if they were coming after the dogs, everybody would be like, that guy... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. He's coming after the dogs, coming after a beautiful girl. It's like, yeah, let's watch it. Makes beautiful girls feel weird. So um, another thing that scares us, and I think scaring people, is a dark art. You know? That's why I'm talking about defense against the dark arts. I want us defended against the people who are trying to scare us for no good reason. Um, The media scares us a lot. The media uh, has terrible stories in it all the time. Why? Not because they're bad. They're not bad. But, you know, I majored in um, uh, political science with a a concentration in media at at Duke. And what we found out was there's a journalistic aphorism that says, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. People, it sells papers. It it makes people click on the website. If it's it's about... um, romance, or about um, death, people click. They want to read all about it. I'm no different. So that's why we don't have, people go, why don't they have good news stories? It's like, well, because nobody cares about good news. I don't know why. Human nature. There are magazines that have nothing but good news, and they're very nice to read, but nobody just like really looks forward to them coming in the mail. Except you, probably, I'm sure. Seven of you have gone, I do. But the, the media loves to run stories about how awful things are in other places, not in their own town, really. So southern stations always run awful stories about urban northern cities. And northern stations um, always run stories about how awful, like, Kentucky is. It's wherever you decide to despise. Like, they're so terrible there. Who? And the media goes, Yeah. I'm going to make a story about that. Uh, Stories are also more likely to be covered, you probably know this, if the media is there already. So something great big can happen in Kansas City, you won't really hear about it until it gets enormous. Something kind of little big happens in New York, you hear about it, because they're right there. And the media love stories about themselves the most, like when Obama didn't let the camera people follow him on the um, golf outing with Tiger Woods. There were stories for days. We don't care. But the media cared because it was about them. Some people say that the advertisers and the corporations are controlling us so that we will buy more. The consumer culture will eat our minds and make us so tired from working more so that we can buy more that we're easily controllable. I think that's giving too much credit an organization media. People do make money on our fears. They make money on our fear of somebody breaking into our house. They make money on our fear of identity theft. And these things do happen. It's just the odds are pretty good that it won't happen to you. And you'd be normally cautious. You don't have to be scared. See what I'm saying? You'd be normally cautious. You do what you can. You know what happens. 
But living in fear, I used to be the um, what, block captain for my neighborhood in South Carolina. And it was a nice neighborhood, suburban, you know, little McMansions on little Mc, um, lots. And um, I would go con- collect neighborhood dues. And so I'd knock on the door and, and the people would open them a crack and look out, terrified of this tall white lady that was at their door. Like they were roving, marauding gangs up and down the street. There's no reason for that except watching too much news. I don't look that scared. Even if they didn't pay their dues, I wasn't going to do anything. So, how do you defend against the dark arts of people making you scared? Well, some people say that if you're scared, say, of bills coming in the mail. You know, I raised two children on not very much money, so I got scared of mail. And um, if you're scared of bills coming in the mail, the coaches say, you know, have a little room in your imagination where you have different outfits. You put on the outfit and like, I am putting on a plumber's outfit and I'm going to change that thing that's leaking in my toilet. So you feel competent because you have this outfit in your imagination. Or I'm putting on my accountant suit and I'm going to pay these bills. That never worked for me because I couldn't imagine an accountant suit that I would wear. I just couldn't see it. So a less fanciful suggestion is made, oddly, by Merlin in T.H. White's book, The Once and Future King. And Merlin says this. The best thing for being sad, and I think also afraid, replied Merlin, being beginning to puff and blow, is to learn something. That's the only thing that can never fail. You may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you devastated by evil lunatics or know your honor trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There's only one thing for it, then, to learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. That is the only thing from which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, never dream of regretting. Learning is the only thing for you. Look what a lot of things there are to learn. So as I told the children, if you're scared of something, learn more about it if you can. And it helps you with your fear. Many people are afraid of terrorists in our country. And we should definitely defend ourselves against terrorism. I'm not saying it's no big deal. But I think you should learn that you are eight times more likely to be killed by a police officer than by a terrorist. You are eight times more likely to die from accidental electrocution than from a terrorist attack. You're six times more likely to die from hot weather than from a terrorist attack. This is my favorite. Number of persons killed on American soil so far this year by terrorists, three. Number of persons killed by toddlers, five. So we could write the headline, 
More likely to die from toddler than terrorist. Beware the toddlers. Really, you only have to beware toddlers with guns. We're afraid of our children getting hurt at school, and that happens horribly. But one out of five children we lose from abuse-related injuries in the United States, in their homes. We're scared to walk at night in our neighborhoods, scared to hike in the woods alone. We are scared of that person breaking in. But my friends, we are much more likely to die at the hands of a family member than by a stranger. We're scared to be killed by ricin or anthrax, but we're more likely to be killed by driving or by eating fat or by sitting on the couch resolving to exercise, but not exercising. So here's what I think. I think we're scared of all the wrong things. We lock our car doors and take our kids home to where the guns are. We tell them all about being wary of strangers, and we forget to tell them about protecting themselves from uncles and cousins. We don't let our neighbors into our lives, and we shut ourselves off so there's no one to turn to when we're in trouble. We're scared of people who are different from us. We don't want to know them. We worry that they want to rob us or hurt us. And we also worry about hurting their feelings when we lunge to lock the car doors as they walk by. Isolation is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us alone. Ignorance is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us at home, associating only with folks of our same nationality, class, and color. Rigidity is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us from bending, growing, changing in a supple way. Missing life is greatly to be feared, but our fears lock us down into narrowness of experience that sucks the marrow from our bones and keeps us safely entrenched in our sweet, clean houses with our secure retirement accounts. My friends, our fear doesn't help us as much as it hurts us. So when it comes, just look at it in the face. Feel it like the children did the Dementor. Try to see what it's made out of. Try to do a little something about it. Try to protect other people. Because they can say in their mind then, I am brave and I am smart and I am not alone. Make that true for them. We can protect one another by becoming aware of our own fears. You know that in the media, the black man is the stock character of the scary story. My friends, we have to notice when this happens, because it is deadly for black males, our culture's fear. Trayvon Martin was killed because of our culture's fear. The stop and frisk in New York City last week, Two white police officers rousted a man out of a black SUV, a black police-issued SUV, and asked him what he was doing and made him get out of the car. And you know what? He was a police chief in their town. Happened to be black. Our 
Our fears have consequences. Our culture's fears have consequences. I don't know who to blame for the dark arts that are practiced in our culture. I don't know whom to blame. But I know that we can defend, partly by noticing, partly by learning, partly by moving ourselves into a space of clarity and into a space of calm. We need to look at the violence inside our own hearts and inside our own homes. We need to get to know people of other races and other cultures. We're having an um, anti-racism class this fall. I would suggest signing up for it, even if you don't need it. Most of us think we don't need it. We're mistaken. Encourage people not to be afraid. Even being afraid of cancer doesn't help. Most studies say that people overestimate their odds of getting cancer because of their fear, and that the more afraid you are of it, the less likely you are to go to the doctor get it checked out. Our fear doesn't help us. I'm going to end with a poem by my friend Marsha Truman Cooper, who's a poet who lives in California. This is her most famous poem for good reason. It's called Fearing Paris. Suppose that what you fear could be trapped and held in Paris. Then you would have the courage to go everywhere in the world, all the directions of the compass open to you, except the degrees east or west of true north that lead to Paris. Still, you wouldn't dare to put your toes smack dab on the city limit line. You're not really willing to stand on a mountainside miles away and watch the Paris lights come up at night. Just to be on the safe side, you decide to stay completely out of France. But then the danger seems too close even to those boundaries, and you feel the timid part of you covering the whole globe again. You need the kind of friend who learns your secret and says, See Paris first. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire, sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.